0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, another team preview edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart, joined, as always, by none other than PFF's finest, Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, we just talked to each other and now we're going to talk some Patriots. Great day to be great. How are you?
1: Oh, dude. Uh, Well, polar opposites, (laughs) like as far as the two teams, one loves to throw the ball all the time. One, at least last year, you know, last year doesn't always equal next year. We'll get more into that Ian. but yeah, last year, the Patriots, they they protected Mac Jones. Like he played well, but they really ran the ball a lot like compared to the other teams in the league when games were close and when they were um, leading. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about Mac Jones, this journey and, you know, did his receivers get better? Eh, I don't know. I'll let you tell me maybe.
0: (laughs) Not only are we going to have a crowded running back room as always, but as you'll find out a lot of wide receivers there, of course, we still got the two highly paid tight ends and we'll see if Mac Jones is actually trusted enough to have the sort of volume that we're looking for in a fantasy quarterback, all that and much more as always on these team preview additions. We're going to be first looking at some of the notable off moves before going through the quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end depth chart specifically. So Dwayne, we will start with that. And right now, man, it looks like Bill Belichick is going to be the play caller for the Patriots seemingly the first time in his career that he has done that so Josh Dan- Josh McDaniels obviously now the Las Vegas Raiders head coach and if you just look at the uh, kind of assistants right now we got Joe Judge and Matt Patricia back you know bands getting back together in New England obviously though Judge you know Bill O'Brien
1: spotted at practice two days ago
0: oh my god okay maybe Bill's <laughs> gonna do it but Judge <laughs> Patricia obviously more special teams and defensive minds uh, respective, respectively so it does seem like Belichick is gonna be calling the plays with that said you know some of the uh, you know beat writer articles i was reading about this noted that like he's always been having conversations with brady with mac jones and his quarterback about you know what the defense is kind of trying to do against them in the first place so the way the patriots operate i'm not so sure this is going to be as huge of a difference as maybe some would expect it to be I, i'm expecting something similar to what we've been seeing over the past two decades because i don't think bill belichick would have let mcdaniels or anyone else just completely run this offense that he wasn't at least some what okay was so the one big thing we have seen come out of this though Dwayne uh it was when Jacob Johnson got released their fullback and he basically said the Patriots told him they were no longer going to have a fullback on the roster like no hard feelings man like we just hate your breed and your position like sorry but it's not you it's us basically type of goodbye so with no, which is a huge
1: change 23.5 percent of the time they ran 21 personnel which is typically a halfback and a fullback that was the second most in the league so that's a big shift where are those personnel snaps going. Maybe this is because you freaking paid a boatload to Johnny Smith last year and you didn't use him at all. Uh, that's my first guess. And I know we're not getting into those specifics, but that's a big, that's a big thing, man. They they used a lot of 21 personnel last year
0: when you get that fullback involved, like we saw with the 49ers and now we're going to see what the Raiders and Josh McDaniels uh, doing his thing over there just makes it awfully hard on some of the complimentary tight ends and wide receivers to be on the field enough to be all that fancy relevant. So last year, Fifth most run-heavy offense in non-garbage time situations. I don't really think that they're going to necessarily be parting like it's 2007 again, just throwing the ball all over the yard. But you would think that maybe removing that fullback, having second-year Mac Jones, now having had the entire offseason as the starter, let's not forget, had to beat out Cam Newton you know, during that training camp battle uh, this time last year. You could see this be a more pass heavy offense. I'm you know it's you're asking a lot for them to go from twenty-eighth to like even above average, but at a minimum, top twenty, I think it'd be a reasonable expectation. Also have plenty of offensive changes to talk about. Running back Brandon Bolden last year was the replacement for James White as the pass down back. Follow Josh McDaniels to Las Vegas. Ty Montgomery is now in the running back room. Maybe wide receiver room. Don't exactly know yet. I'm guessing he's more of a replacement for Brandon Bolden, though. Going to be a full-time special teamer with the opportunity to moonlight as a running back or wide receiver when needed. Devontae Parker, acquired in a trade from the Dolphins, seemingly starting in three wide receiver sets. A lot of uncertainty there that we'll get to later. Gunner, I still can't pronounce your last name. Awesome returner. (laughs) Never really was a part of the offense, and he signed with the Steelers. And then that is actually it. But in the draft, we had some more stuff come through. Second-round wide receiver Tyquan Thornton, 4.28 second 40-yard dash. I think he's... Mostly competition for Nelson Aguilar, but we'll see. Talk more about that later. Fourth-round running back Pierre Strong Jr. Adds a lot of big playability here. Also adds another freaking running back to worry about. Also, sixth-round running back Kevin Harris. And they added fourth-round quarterback Bailey Zappi. How you Zap? Zap? Is that right? Zappy sounds better. It sounds so wrong. I'm sorry, Bailey, but we're not expecting much from you. He just, he's just going to replace Jared Stidham, who also followed McDaniels to, to the Raiders. Might have been a trade, but that's too much talking about Jared Stidham anyway. So, Dwayne, let's kick things off with the quarterback room. Mac Jones, obviously, ingrained as the starter. Brian Hoyer back as the backup. So, the good news of Mac Jones, he had four top-10 fantasy finishes during the final eight games of 2021. We did see a bit of a ceiling there. The floor was brutal, though. I mean, Jones was with Trevor Lawrence, Ben Rosberger, and Matt Ryan as the only quarterbacks with double-digit fantasy finishes as the QB 20 or worse. Here's my thing with Mac Jones, Dwayne. We really saw as... Like, the expectations for him in terms of efficiency, he largely passed them. PFF passing grade, he was 11th among qualified quarterbacks. Yards per attempt, 16th. QB rating, 18th. He was an above-average quarterback by most of the stuff we look at. I went through the highlights, and you can find some nice downfield dimes. Like, the idea, I was tracking it a lot throughout the year. Like, he really wasn't throwing downfield much in the first eight weeks, but – doesn't necessarily mean you like, we've seen plenty of good offenses. Look at the Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints offenses. You don't need to have this high ADOT to put up a lot of points, but we did see him start to push the ball downfield, notably to Kendrick Bourne as the season went on. I'm just worried about it, Dwayne because we're not getting anything there rushing volume wise. We talked about this offense before. 28th and pass play rate last year. So, we're already struggling with the passing volume. We know there's no running volume. We're going to need Mac Jones to be even more efficient than he was before and expecting that to happen like on a potentially higher volume, it's wishful thinking, man. We had 11 different quarterbacks. I'll throw it to you in a sec. 11 different quarterbacks scored at least 300 fantasy points last year. Six of them, like Jones, didn't reach even 50 rush attempts. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, and Kirk Cousins. All those offenses were top 20, if not much higher in pass play rate. That's kind of what we need Mac Jones to be. He's going to need to be already in year two, a Rodgers, a Stafford, Burrow, Cousins. He's going to need to be that level as good as a passer. And I just don't think he can be, Dwayne. Like, I, again, not bad. We saw a little bit of upside here as a streamer in the right matchup. That's okay. But I just don't know if there's going to be enough volume for us to really worry about him in fantasy. And that's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, I think Mac Jones is a dynasty asset. Like, you, I think there's a lot of positives. I think as far as this year, like, I just don't see enough surrounding him, like Devonta Parker and Taquan Thornton. Like, that's not enough. Like, no. that, that just does <laughs> not move Ty- the needle <laughs> enough for me. We need more, we need better weapons around him. Um, could they throw the ball more? Yeah. But my guess is they're still going to be um, more conservative than the league average. Um, and if at best case, right, we might get to league average. I just don't think the personnel supports it. Like just Mac Jones himself, like did a lot of really good things. Like, you know, if you look at his, um, you know, if he has, his uh, grade from a clean pocket, 13 of 32 against pressure was really good. Five of 32. Um, if you look at his, uh, his inaccurate, um, uncatchable passes, four of 32 with a four being good, meaning like most of his passes are catchable. You already talked about, you know, some of his accuracy. He did struggle as he went down the field, you know, behind the line of scrimmage, he was plus 5% in completion percentage versus the league average. Um, in that zero to nine yard range, 3.3%. In the 10 to 19 yard range, though, it went down minus 0.7% versus the league average. And then on throws 20 plus yards down the field, minus 1.6 versus the NFL average. So you pretty much described it like really good around the line of scrimmage, Pretty good in the intermediate, but as he got deeper down the field struggle, doesn't mean that he can't improve on those things. He also doesn't really have a ton of targets that have helped him out a lot whenever you're attacking that range of the field. So I think, again, the, the big picture with Mac Jones is in Dynasty. I think there's a lot of things to like here, despite the fact that he can't run. Like if the Patriots can continue to build weapons around him, I think you could end up with a Kirk Cousins, um, maybe a Joe Burrow, right? At the high end of it, you know, but a Kirk Cousins, a Derek Carr, Joe Burrow, like those are the kind of guys you would be comparing um, to Mac Jones. He just needs the weapons that those guys have around him.
0: Doesn't have those weapons. We're not sure if he's going to have the passing volume. And. Look, there's a chance that maybe that was just who Mac Jones is. I mean, he was lauded as the most pro-ready quarterback coming out. He was the most pro-ready quarterback last year. The big concern with him, the reason why he was what the fifth quarterback taken in that class was, he doesn't have the same ceiling as a a Trey Lance, as a Zach Wilson, as a Trevor Lawrence. So this will tell us a lot, you know. Mac Jones, yeah, he's number one right now with how the rookies have performed after one year. Question is how that's going to be in the future, and just in fantasy, man, it's it just comes down to him and Tua. I kind of have the same conclusion like for us to be able we have to project him to get a lot better he, he was good but we need to project him to get better efficiency wise and we need to project the offense to throw a lot more and for, and for what like we need all those things to go right to kind of get the kirk cousins type of ceiling and fantasy i just don't think it's worth it i think he is down there right around the qb2 borderline i'm taking guys like a trevor lawrence daniel jones zach wilson Tannehill ahead of mac jones just not someone other than your third quarterback in best ball i think many people need to worry about
1: no I, I i think you nailed it i mean the only other thing i'll throw out that is a positive form six best uh rookie passing grade rookie passer grade like for at least 300 dropbacks in the last 10 years you okay. know so i mean like there are positives but to your point it's more like down the road like the the obstacles that he has to overcome this year you've named them and i think yeah he's he's a qb2 like where you want to put him in that range like I get it with Daniel Jones, like because of the rushing, right? It's a fantasy thing versus, you know, sometimes we get hung up on like NFL versus fantasy. So, I mean, I think clearly Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones at this point. Yeah. 100, like 100 out of a hundred. Yeah. So, but we're
0: playing fantasy football. We're not building a real team. Oh, so so. is that what we're doing?
1: I need to <laughs> get is, on a different podcast.
0: <laughs> this is where we get into trouble when it's like, yeah, I'll take Mac Jones over Daniel Jones. That's the only quote that'll be out there. Of course. Yeah. So, you're screwed. Patriots fans. Feel great. Feel great about the future of Mac Jones. Just don't draft him on your fantasy team, at least for this year. Now the running back room. My God. Originally, Dwayne, I put Damon Harris like RB48. I was just upset <laughs> as I was like going through it. And then I was like, okay, a little bit too extreme. I'm moving up to RB38, which is still egregiously low. I got Ramondre Stevenson even lower at 46. And then Pierre Strong and then James White. But we're not done. We got Ty Montgomery there. J.J. Taylor still in a running back room. unless we forget about six rounder Kevin Harris. So, I guess my thing here, Dwayne, is what is the upside? What is the ceiling we're even chasing here? Because last year, I think I partially fell into the trap where I'm not behind Damian Harris, and part of the reason was the idea that he could be the next LeGarrette Blunt. Look for 250 to 300 rush attempts, get a bunch of touchdowns, and he came pretty close. He scored 15 touchdowns. Like, Stevenson didn't take over. James White got hurt early. Last year was kind of best. Mac Jones beat out Cam Newton. Like, a lot of things went right for Damian Harris last year. He scored 15 times. Use the RB20 in PPR points per game. That year when Legarrett Blunt scored 18 touchdowns, use the RB 15 in PPR points per game. The only RB1s that the Patriots have enabled over the past 10 years have been James White and Shane Vereen on a per game play or per game basis because they're the ones catching passes. Like Harris, Stevenson, they are not going to catch the ball. There's no situation this year. Look at all the guys they've added to make sure that never has to happen. James White, Pierre Strong, Ty Montgomery, J.J. Taylor. Like, we're talking about Damon Harris being like four injuries away from getting anything resembling a three-down roll. And even then, who knows, they probably add other people to the equation. So, you know, Dwayne, RB38 is probably a little too low for Damien Harris. But with that said, I don't see the upside here worth moving him up.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you're really not that low. I mean, FFPC has him in RB30 right now. So, I mean, people are already viewing him as, you know, that, that RB3, you've got him a little bit outside that range, right? You're calling him an RB4. Like he's going to project, he's going to project as an RB3, but like when you're talking, you know, rankings and the way we need to think about him, I think what you're saying, honestly, like it's fine. Like I I don't see the upside either. He's not involved in the passing game and there's too many other players that are going to stay. He's never going to be at a spot. You know, if we did a range of outcomes, you know, we looked at this, you know, curve like there'd be like out here, this one percenter shot. Right. That he's going to get 60 percent of the carries Um, and one percent might be too high. You know, one percent chance might be too high, given not just how loaded the back, not loaded, but how many names there are in the backfield now. But we've just we've talked about this so many times. The Patriots. Look, I, we know some things with coaches. It's really just about the talent they have, and then they'll change as soon as they have these really good players and things can be different. Like with the Patriots, they truly have been so committed to this running back by committee as far back as I can remember. Like, I mean, it, it goes all the way back to the beginning of time, basically, for me and my fantasy football life. So I just don't think it's going to change. And I, and I think you're right. I mean, and if you just look at, you know, over the last several years, like the lead back, in the Patriots backfield is somewhere usually between 40 and 50%, you know, of the rushing attempts. And that's probably where Damian Harris will finish if he's healthy. Like he'll, I haven't projected right now for 42 and a half percent of the carries. Um, You know, I've got Ramondre Stevenson behind him at like 25%. And then I've got some going to James White, got more of the targets going to him. And then I also have a little bit going to Pierre strong. Um, But again, that's also assuming that these guys are healthy for the whole time. You know, Damian Harris has battled injuries through his career as well. So I think there is, um, it's a tough situation to try to see a path that makes it really worth taking Damian Harris. Like, I think in best ball, I would like him more, like him more than I do in Because in redraft. Like last year, I did have him on a couple teams and early in the season. It was fine, but it became a struggle just to like even know when to put him in there because it was yeah. kind of boom bust based on like, hey, is he going to score two touchdowns this week or is he going to get nothing? Um, and we know if the Patriots, like if their defense takes a step back, which could happen, they lost they lost some players, including J.C. Jackson, this offseason. Like if all of a sudden they're in more trailing scripts and they need to throw the ball a little bit more, like Damian Harris isn't going to be on the field. Like go look at the playoff
0: game and look at what Damian Harris did. It was not pretty. OK, that leads us to the question, because, again, that we have seen an RB1 come out of New England, but it's always been the pass catcher. James White. Latest news to come out on May 1st out of ESPN. Because of the hip injury he suffered last year, he, quote-unquote, likely won't be participating in OTAs. Still has a, quote-unquote, a while to go to get cleared and not a lot to be ready for training camp. If he's not ready, man, Pierre Strong, J.J. Taylor, like we just saw last year, Brandon Bolden, who had barely ever played offense with the Patriots, pure special teams guy, they did not trust either Harris or Stevenson out there to be on pass downs. Who, if James White is out of the picture, Do we think gets that if anyone and do we just care like because James White would be the guy if he was fully healthy. He'd be the one outside the top 50 that we would be thinking, you know, not offering the most upside, but in full PPR, not exactly underdog, but certain formats. He could offer the upside. Dwayne, let's say James White is out of the picture. Who do you think slides in as that number three spot? Because as much as I would like to assume it'd be Pierre Strong, We've seen the Patriots in these rookie running backs before basically just ice them. Hey, we'll see you next year. Learn the playbook. We'll talk about that then.
1: Yeah, I mean, Pierre Strong has a decent receiving profile coming out like of college. So, I mean, I think it could be him. J.J. Taylor, my only concern with him, right, as we thought it would be him last year uh, once we saw James White go down and he he couldn't beat out, you know, Bolden. You know, so um, I think it's going to be up in the air. My answer to this is I'm going to be underweight on every Patriot back. I may not draft any of these guys ever. I'm not joking. I may not like, I don't really see the point um, in doing it. Like what you've said. And even, even from a receiving back perspective, you know, with James, White, I've got him at like 6% of the targets. So even though I said, I've got him in more, like he's got, he's got the most targets of the backs, but I'm not confident in him because I was reading the same thing. Uh, and, and again, so with Taylor, we don't know you pointed out was strong. He's a rookie. Um, if I were to draft any of these guys, and again, this, I wouldn't do this uh, in best ball. Um, Just because I think I think in best ball, there's a there's a chance like uh, Pierre Strong and Kevin Harris and JJ Taylor. They're all just complete zeros. You don't want to waste. You just don't want to completely waste spots and redraft and deeper leagues. The guy that I if I were to take any of these, it would probably be Pierre Strong at the end of a draft just because we're like, look. We're going for the upside. He's the guy that maybe he can get in there and be a receiver. If he's not, like right out of the gate, fine. We'll just cut him. But if he comes out and he's playing in the receiving game and he also looks explosive, then all of a sudden by week four, we could be saying, well, if there was one guy that could potentially take over this backfield, like it could be him, right? Um, We won't know that, though, to start the season. So that's, that's the way I'm treating this backfield.
0: If, if we had no injury concern with James White, I think I could talk myself into it, but we do. And I'm going to say this a lot with these team previews. Like, if the only thing you can say about a guy is that they might get hurt, that's not a good reason to fade that player. Completely different when the guy is already injured, which is the case with James White. He's 30 years old, just not something we want to really deal with. And to Joanne's point, like, there's it's not even a guarantee he necessarily keeps that job or has that high of a target share anyway. So I think, I think... Famous last words, but the answer to the Patriots' backfield this year is just no. Don't do it, in, everyone. In,
1: in random news, like every one of these Patriot backs will basically be point six. 6- Something years old when the season starts. Damien Harris, 25.6, Ramondre Stevenson, 24.6, James White, 30.6, Pierre Strong breaks the mold at 23.7. It might
0: be a sign, Ian. That's all I'm saying. Thank you so much for sharing that <laughs> with us, Dwayne. Thank you, man. If you guys are looking for more cutting edge analysis like that, why not go try and get yourself a free PFF subscription? All you got to do is go on over to Underdog Fantasy, use promo code PFF, put 10 of those hard earned dollars towards the tournament. Use that again. Promo code PFF, and you will get yourself a free PFF subscription. Best Ball Mania Tournament currently going on. Underdog has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is you just draft your fantasy football team. That's it. No waivers, no trades best ball season and we'll be coming to you with live streams over at underdog fantasy every wednesday throughout the summer so again going over to underdog fantasy they will actually double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars when you sign up with the promo code pff and then if you play just 10 of those dollars using again promo code pff you get a free pff subscription one of the best deals that we're going to offer throughout the year and also want to give a shout out to our fine sponsors over at Sunday. Does your lawn have weeds, bare patches, or pet spots? Sunday can help you solve all these problems and more the easy way. They got everything you need from fertilizer to seeds to weed control. and It's all delivered right to your door. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or the nasty chemicals. They have a full season plan starting at just 129, and Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off at checkout when you visit getsunday.com/slash fantasy. Again, that's getsunday.com slash fantasy. Great day to have a great yard. All right, Dwayne. Wide receivers, guess what? It's also crowded as shit. Not great. We got Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, Tyquan Thornton, Nikhil Harry, and Ty Montgomery. Similar to running back. The first question I asked myself when I was breaking this down is, what's exactly the upside we're reaching for? And it's not the same thing. We have a different quarterback. Rob Gronkowski was one of the most used tight ends. We know Tom Brady loves to throw to his running backs, but I think it's worth noting that other than Julian Edelman. Slot Maven, pretty clear-cut number one in New England. Going back to 2015, Brandon Cooks is the only wide receiver, not named Julian Edelman, to pull off a top 24 PPR finish. And usually it wasn't even close. I mean, we're talking about everyone other than Jacoby Myers last year being ranked outside even the top 45 receivers. So... There is a ceiling here. I am anticipating Mac Jones doing some good things, and I don't think it's impossible for someone to break through, but I am worried that things are just going to be even more muddled than they were last year. This was some funky usage throughout the entire season. Even when Kendrick Bourne was emerging as arguably the best receiver down the stretch, like he was still the number three in the playoff game, working behind both Myers and even Nelson Aguilar. So, Dwayne, just looking at these pieces, man, they traded for Parker like he's going to be involved. Tyquan Thornton just got a second round pick. We heard kind of the hilarious Nikhil Harry trade rumors. I'm not sure who's trading for him. He's still on the team for right now. Who knows where Ty Montgomery is. And like Nelson Aguilar, look, he got paid last year and they can't really get out of the deal right now. If they traded him, then I think they could have minimum dead cap. But yeah, the Patriots would eat $10 million in dead money by releasing Nelson Aguilar at this point. I just don't really see that happening. So It would make things easier, but right now we have to assume he's going to factor in, as he did all of last year. So with that said, Dwayne, like if we put Parker on one outside position and then we have Jacoby on the other with Kendrick Bourne in the slot, like Aguilar is going to be getting time on the outside. So is Thornton. There's a scenario, I think, where we basically see Parker, Aguilar, and Thornton rotating on the outside with Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne kind of rotating in the slot and basically canceling all of them out because we also have two tight ends and some running backs to worry about in this passing game. Everyone is dirt cheap, so I'm not saying we have to be out on these guys, but the ceiling is questionable. And, like, if we really want more touchdowns for Jacoby Myers, which you would like to think could happen – Like Devontae Parker is one of the worst wide receivers you could have asked to add to this room because of the things he can do in the red zone. Who, if anyone, in this wide receiver room are you interested in?
1: Yeah, I think it's easily Jacoby Myers. I mean, just because of what he's done, um, you know, his underlying data points that we love, targets per route run over the last two seasons, 23% and 24%. Those are wide receiver one and wide receiver two, you know, numbers. The main thing is what you've mentioned. He just has not been able to get the touchdowns. Yards per route run, though, have been really nice, 223 Uh, in 2020, then last year that did dip down a little bit to 1.62. But we've seen him be able to get over that, you know, uh, two yards per route run uh, marker. And so with me, like his end zone targets, 19% and 16%, like we need that to be more like 25%, but it's not terrible. Like he should actually have more touchdowns than what he has. Um, Red zone um, targets 15% and 19% of the team. So, I mean, I think there's a version of Jacoby Myers where we get five, six touchdowns out of him and you could have a chance at 90 receptions and you're going to feel good about him. But the rest of the guys... I really struggle too. I think like if I had to pick, like if you're just like, "Hey, Girl Scouts coming in the door," like right now, Dwayne, it would probably be Parker. Um, I think they just made a huge mistake on Nelson Aguilar, and they're just going to have to own it. I think they probably also made a huge mistake on Tyquan Thornton as well. Yes, he ran really fast, but it never showed up in his yards per route run. It never showed up in his explosive play rate in college. You know, don't want to be too far down on a guy like early in his career. Like I hope Tyquan Thornton works out, but this is the Patriots. The Patriots suck at drafting receivers. Like. This has been going on for a very, very long time. So I think, you know, I would have to put the chip, you know, on Parker. I think you could argue the the player that should be the two players that should be playing the most are Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, to your point, like he actually came out last year and had a career-high yards per route run of 1.99, career-high targets per route run of 17%, had been 16% the two years before. And then the Patriots actually let him run run less routes than the freaking 49ers did the year before. Only had him out there for 69% of the time that they were in a pass play. Um, So, yeah, if I... You know, if it was me, like I would say it should be Myers and Bourne. But like if I had to pick, it's probably Myers and Parker not doing anything with Taequann Thornton uh, in any kind of format. I'm not touching Nelson Aguilar. Um, Kendrick Bourne may be very deep draft, like last last round. Like you said, they're all dirt cheap. Parker in FFPC's wide receiver 57 Myers is 63 Kendrick Bourne's 99 Taquan Thornton's 93 but like when you go look at it he's probably only been drafted like four times like out of the last 20 drafts so that's not even really an accurate ADP on him um, so I don't know what they look like right now an underdog but I mean if I had to put a chip down it's, it's Jacoby Myers probably not messing with the rest
0: I agree there's just too much going on at Outside wide receiver. I thought Aguilar was going to have the role they ultimately gave Kendrick Bourne because Aguilar. Lost in, you know, the dropping babies meme, which was funny and all that. But just looking at the guy's football career and Philly, he was best used on mm-hmm. as a yakster in the Super Bowl run. Like he was doing good things with the ball in his hands. It was just sometimes a trouble getting the ball in his hands in the first place. And then he had that year with the Raiders. You know, I'm sure all you Brian Edwards fans are still crying about mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar emerging over your boy and just really having a fantastic year as Derek Carr's number a one stretcher. receiver. Yes. So I thought, you know, yes, I think we can say waste of money now, but like, it didn't look that crazy at the time, but then for them to give Kendrick Bourne the 12 rush attempts to kind of scheme up the good designs for Bourne instead of Aguilar, who is more or less just running wind sprints on the outside all game, just didn't make a ton of sense. But yeah, with Bourne, he didn't even reach 50% snaps in eight games last year. You, like it's just, he's not on the field. He enough, had a so. huge,
1: he had a huge yak season. Like it was an outlier for his yeah. career, you know, 7.2 yards. Uh, of Yak per reception, whereas like the year before, and he had been decent before a uh, 4.5 and 4.1; those are above the NFL average for like um, wide receivers. But he had a real outlier year last year in, in Yak, and we know that that's not always going to be, you know, that sticky.
0: Last year, Jacoby Myers 56% slot rate, Kendrick Bourne 38%, Agalor just 9.5%. So yeah, Thornton Parker certainly biggest risk for Agalor. Hopefully Myers can seize that production out of the slot. Just real quick because I wanted to see like. How often has a wide receiver been good like Jacoby Myers, but just not been able to score touchdowns? He is one of just 11 wide receivers in NFL history with over 1500 receiving yards, yet five or fewer touchdowns. He's only at two in his first three seasons. Here's the list. Jacoby Myers, Adam Humphreys, Don Stonesifer, Lawrence Dalsey, Ted Ginn Jr., Don, Ike, Ike O'Hare, Jabbar Gaffney, Brian Hartline, Ike Harris, Michael Westbrook, and Dave Cockereck. All right, I know that sounds horrendous, but I did some more digging four of the 10 members did go on to experience at least one or two seasons worth of some good touchdown regression. You know, we had Ginn in 2015. Ike Hoyer had a couple of good years. Um, even Westbrook and Harris had like six plus touchdown years. So Dwayne, like, we again, we're not asking, we all know we're not getting 10 or 15 touchdowns out of Jacoby Myers, but if he remains the number one pass game option, he had over 50 targets more last year than the number two receiver in New England. Like, I don't think Thornton and Parker are that big of risk to just completely take over for him. So if, and he's being priced like outside the top 60 wide receivers right now, if Jacoby Myers stays as number one pass game option and we get 120 targets, he can catch 80 of them. And if we just get five touchdowns, we're talking about a wide receiver three. That's the dart. Would you would take Myers over like Jamison Crowder? Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I would take, I, I think yeah, so. I think you have to take Myers over, over Crowder right now and you can get, you know, Crowder a little bit behind that. Um, but, but Myers, I think you just have to project him as the number one on his offense, you know, uh, and to your point, I like, he just catches the touchdowns. Like, and we've seen the, like you said, we've seen these things happen before. So I, I'm just buying into the fact that Jacoby Myers has actually been good at football, you know, for yeah. two years. Yes. He hasn't scored the touchdowns, but you know, that's the easiest thing. Uh, for variance to really kick in and hold a player down, um, knowing that he's getting the targets, the receptions, those things, we'd like to see some more yards after the catch. Like, you know, I'd like to see, you know, a one thousand yard, you know, eleven 1, hundred yard year from Jacoby Myers. I think that's in the range of outcomes for him as well. Um, but like the touchdowns, man, I'm, I'm not going to sweat it. Like, it just, it's, it to me, he's just been unlucky so far. Not saying he's going to come out and score ten, but to your point, like he could easily score five.
0: Tight end now. We got the two high-priced, infamous additions from the 2020 uh, free agency cycle. 2021 free agency cycle, excuse me. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith. I have Henry as my tight end 25. John who as my tight end 36 at the moment. Similar to Damian Harris, man, I think last year turned out like largely great for Hunter Henry. Jonu Smith didn't really get involved. Henry caught nine touchdowns out of his 50 passes. Like He was out there really as their like de facto red zone threat. Had good chemistry with Mac Jones. What happened? tight end 14 or no what did he finish? I think he was like a, yeah he was tight end 14 on a per game basis last year like yeah if you want to go overall he did finish as a top a player but hunter henry was never someone that you were just thrilled to put in there like you were hoping that out of those 30 yards he was going to get one of those receptions would end in the end zone and not having the fullback could mean more two tight end sets it could also mean that John smith just isn't a complete zero and he has to actually start switching things up with hunter henry so Dwayne, like with Henry, now we got Devontae Parker in the red zone, potentially taking things away. Like Harris, I just don't know what the ceiling is. So I'm going to move Henry well below guys, even like, you know, our Logan Thomas's of the world, Evan Ingram, Cole Komet, like even David Njoku. A lot of those guys have had players leave their offenses. We know with David Njoku, Austin Hooper's gone. Logan Thomas has no RSJ threat, injury concern, but we've talked about Washington tight ends. Evan Ingram and Jackson both, the tight end whisperer, Doug Peterson. Cole Komet no longer has Jimmy Graham and is no trade clause to worry about. So with Hunter Henry, nothing's. Chains for him, but that also means that nothing really good has happened to this situation that, again, finished as a best-case scenario last year. Any reason why in non-tight-end premium leagues we should be trying to focus on Hunter Henry at all?
1: I think he's fine as a mid-range tight end, too. I mean, I think the points that you made are are good. Uh, The only thing I would say is, like, if you look at him down the stretch, like, basically they phased out Jonu Smith, you know? Uh, And so it's not like Jonu didn't have his chance to do his thing. Hunter Henry was evidently outplaying it you know, and was able to stay on the field. So if you look at him, he ever 79% route participation. So he almost got to that 80% over the last five games, including the wild card game. Um, he had a 17% target share over that time. So I think if you were wanting to project like, what is the upside for Hunter Henry? Like that, those would be the numbers I would use. I would have like a 17 to 18% target share, which would probably make him second on the team behind Jacoby Myers. Um, I've, I've Myers will probably be somewhere around 20 to 22%. So Hunter, you know, if he got to that 17 to 18%, you know, he'd be fine. Um, But to your point, like there's so many other players there. They like to rotate these guys. We could see more 12 personnel. They could suddenly change their mind, you know, and use John who Smith more, you know, they were trying to do some things for John who early in the year, but it was also gimmicky it's like everything was on a screen player at the line of scrimmage why like why not let John U. smith like, act, like run a drag route at least get like 5 <laughs> years, 5 yards down the field you know I, I didn't necessarily understand the patriots plan at all for Johnu smith last year i i thought it was way too gimmicky for a player that can probably operate you know in, in a wider uh range of usage than the way that they used him so I'm with you. I get it. I'm, I'm not like just avoiding Hunter Henry. Um, I'll probably have even exposure. um, But it is tough to see a case where like, where does the ceiling really come from? I think the ceiling where it would come from would be that, look, we just know Devontae Parker kind of is what he is. Um, We already talked about, um, you know, Kendrick Bourne kind of flashing, but it's not on the field enough. You know, could he just be the number two to Jacoby Myers, you know, and does the offense all of a sudden consolidate? And even then, like, we're not thinking it's like a 22 23% target share season like i just said the upside is like a 17%er like which would put it right right now i've got him at 160 PPR points um that's at a 15% target share so like even if i took that to his upside case like it's 177 i mean it's not it's not great the thing that really carried hunter henry last year is he was the number one target in the end zone for them 44% of the team's targets almost half of the team's targets went to hunter henry Last season. Like that, that feels like something that could really regress. Like he could be more like 30%. And that would still be a really high number, but it's very hard to be someone uh, in multiple years in a row and carry an almost 50% target share in the end zone.
0: If you guys uh, caught the Bills team preview, I referenced the staff for Dawson Knox and Hunter Henry applies too. I mean, we've only had 12 tight ends over the past. I think since 2000 was the time frame I did. So 12 tight ends since 2000 scored eight plus touchdowns on fewer than 80 targets, all but two of them. And those were Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Gates went on to work as a tight end 14 or worse the following season. So Maybe Henry and Knox outperform that, and they managed to put post a top finish. But I just don't know if we're getting much of anything more than, like, a low-end tight end one finish from either. And, I, you know, I just think there's more guys to kind of value. But we don't hate the player. We hate the ADP. And if Henry does end up just slipping outside the top 20 and everything, like, where's he going right now, Dwayne? I guess that would be my thought, because I don't want him over the Earth Smith of the world, kind of in that tight end one borderline. But if he's going well behind him, then, you know, crazier things have happened.
1: Yeah. I'm going to look on underdog. Uh, so on underdog right now, we've got Hunter Henry um, tight end. 17. Uh, yeah. 17. So you got cold Higby behind him and Joku at tight end 20 Tanya or Tanya Irv Smith, Alberto above him. You I'm know, not going to have much on Henry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing is like we can start poking holes in a lot of those guys. Like obviously like the guy I would want them out of the ones we just named is, is Alberto. But but I think to your point earlier, like even with David Njoku, like he's never done it, but it's like he could, like, you know, it's, a, it's Amari Cooper and like him, you know? So there's a chance, like right now I would say it's Amari Cooper and him and Kareem Hunt, like are, like are the top three options they right. have to throw the ball to on the team. Um, so, I mean, I get it. And we know that with Njoku, the thing that we have seen is that big playability.
0: So, so I get it. So, to sum up everything... Mac Jones and fantasy, no. Patriots running backs, no. Wide receivers, Jacoby Myers, kinda, especially at that price. We said some good things about Jacoby, tight ends, Hunter Henry, meh. That about sum up the episode, join
1: Yeah, like I'm just looking at everything. I've got unders written versus the market on everything. <laughs> I've I've got the only over I have is Jacoby uh, is Jacoby. Yeah. So everything, and some of them just have X X's as in I will never track them. So yeah, it's, it's just not a good fantasy situation.
0: Not quite as optimistic as the Bills, but we have now crossed off our second of 32 teams. Dwayne and myself will be back all throughout the summer. These things should wind up ending around July 8th or so. We will see what happens. But yes, going through all 32 teams, and then we'll be back in action, you know, with pure draft strategy after that. And we'll have some along the way. You know, we're going to be having a lot of podcasts pumping out here on the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast channel. We always appreciate you guys listening. Dwayne, anything else you want to go off your chest? no man um
1: tomorrow we will be back at it we're gonna we're gonna be back in the afc east again tomorrow so i'm excited to do the dolphins like to see how this one's going to play out so looking forward to that jets too
0: man we got some we got some weapons yeah yeah, i'm
1: excited for the jets too too. i nearly (laughs) started with the jets whenever i started this process but i knew the order we were going to go in so i went ahead and went buffalo first but the jets were the team like on the plane ride home like from cancun i was really just starting to think about um you know just thinking about garrett wilson plus you know having uh, elijah moore and then like what are they going to do with corey davis can zach wilson take a step forward so yeah you're, you're right that is an exciting team too um it's man zach wilson can't wait to talk about zach wilson he's like he's 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 the uh, linchpin to all things jets
0: and please don't confuse this with us thinking the Patriots offense is going to be like worse than these other teams. They just finished sixth in scoring, but look what that got us in fantasy. Not much because they are so insistent on, as we just discussed, rotating so many players at every position and not necessarily giving Mac the volume that we would want in fantasy land. So don't hate the players, don't hate the analysts, hate the game if you must. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks so much for tuning in the PF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.